picture. What star is that? Peace to the planet Earth, you know what I'm saying? It's Adisa, we out here chilling. Um, before we begin, uh, I gotta tell you, I had these amazing gentlemen, Jonah and Max, on about like a month ago, and then somehow I fucked up and deleted the file. I still don't know how that happened. I'm, I'm really upset with myself, so I had to have them back. Please welcome Jonah and Max from Rhythmic Mind to the show, and we're gonna talk about hip hop, PTSD, and a bunch of other stuff that deals with like mental health and healing. Gentlemen. For sure. Word welcome up. back to, this, <laughs> to your to second appearance. Back. Good to be you know back. Good to be back. Be back. <laughs> that, you know what I'm saying? Second time's a charm. Yeah, man. <laughs> the second time is the charm. We're going to so, hold that this one will be better. This will, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Word, it all, man. It all worked out. You know, the universe is going to grab that and like really help package that and release it into yep. the, you know what yes, I'm saying? Sir. Into all the whole. Big ups to the universe. Word. So, you know, I want to start with the idea that hip hop has healing elements to it. You know, um, that's still a hard thing, I think, for a lot of people to grasp and take seriously. Yeah. Right. Um, obviously, I had Dr. Elliot Gann on uh, a while ago, and this has always been something like, you know, Itoko Garcia, uh, you know, Dr. Itoko Garcia, other people that we know. For us, it's not that big of a deal. For us, it's not that new. But for a lot of people, even inside hip hop, they don't think of it as having therapeutic necessary things. And that's not even being near mainstream, you know, American mindsets and whatnot. So um, Jonah, can you kind of introduce how and why hip hop has become known and respected as having therapeutic uh, elements to it? I mean, I would say the, the core of it, the kind of nucleus of that whole thing is that and Max and I definitely both hold this and, and it's the kind of where we, where we move from, the center of where we move from with our organization mm -hmm. is that hip hop really in its origins and in its essence was and always has been therapeutic, mm -hmm. um, even could be looked at as a form of therapy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to break that down, like go back now to, you know, the origins, 70s, South Bronx, incredibly challenging environment from, yeah. you know, all, all accounts wasn't there, but, um, you know, just a a little bit wastelandish, you know, very dramatically under-resourced, um, mm -hmm. under the the full weight of systemic racism, oppression, marginalization, all of that. You Educational know. disparities, violence. Oh, huge, massive, you know, poverty, everything that goes along with, with all of that. Trauma, trauma mm -hmm. on many, many, mm -hmm. many, many, many levels, right? And so these, these young folks of color, and these were by and large the young folks too, that's something yeah. that continues to blow Max and Mind's mind is like, this came from teenagers and shit like you know it's, it's crazy, crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um and they essentially reached inside of themselves and invented these means um of establishing a sense of value purpose identity passion these are all things people go to psychotherapy for they had no mm. access to psychotherapy and so they created their own forms of expression that then could provide that kind of growth development validation again all things people go to therapy for um yes. and they're so powerful these modes are so powerful that they've now gone to permeate every corner of the globe, uh, the dominant, you know, culture in the world uh, and a multi-billion dollar industry. And not that mm -hmm. the money is the, the, the only thing 
to, to sort of validate it, but definitely a factor. No, no. I mean, being a billion much. dollar industry is a big deal. For, for sure. Know what I mean? For sure. Well, then so that's kind of, that's kind of like, uh, from, for, for us, that's kind of like the center of where the mm-hmm. therapeutic aspects really come from. Well, and diving a little deeper into that, like, so that's essentially kind of the foundation of how it's inherently therapeutic. But if you unpack that even further and you see like the levels of agency and the levels of resourcefulness that it took to, to create that, to create mm-hmm. something out of nothing, Oof. you don't have mm-hmm. any external resources at all. Right. You know what I'm saying? You're in dire poverty everything that Jonah just kind of outlined Mm -hmm. and you have nothing outside of yourself, but you have your internal resources. So you have to use your internal resources to then manifest something externally. And that's what they did. They, They created a platform for themselves to be able to speak their truth and speak truth to power and be able to speak about the realities of their environments and their circumstances in order to, rise above those very challenges adversities and circumstances that they are that they were living in and that's extremely therapeutic if you think about the how empowering that is oh man the level of self-confidence agency resilience um you know what i'm saying the the ability to change their 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 story which is a huge huge part of why we why we see hip-hop and how we frame and everything in in terms of our models we really kind of hone in on that idea of of kind of taking ownership of your story and then mm-hmm. pre- and, and, and changing it and creating it into what you want it to be. And they absolutely did that. And it wasn't just with the lyrical aspects of hip hop. It was also with all the other elements. You know yeah. Like, yeah. That's important like to note. Graffiti. graffiti. Yeah. Right? Literally like huge, reclaiming, huge. reclaiming their own neighborhoods with the art that they wanted to see. Right. You know what I'm saying? And like, and renaming themselves and then putting that up on walls. The renaming alone is massively huge. And that goes across all the elements, right? Graph writers, B-boys, B-girls, MCs, they all take on these DJs. They take on these names. These are like a reauthored story, a reauthored narrative Mm -hmm. telling the world, this is actually who I am. Who I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's amazing. Taking it back from, you know, because like in those environments, right, you're not only oppressed, but you're also kind of like bombarded, you know, with like... um, corporate advertisements and billboards and all mm-hmm. that so with mm-hmm. the graffiti they're literally like taking their their, their own environment back and right reclaiming it with what they wanted to see kind of beautifying their environment for themselves in terms of the art that they wanted to see um and then also you know just finding finding ways to in the midst of all that just find that that deep sense of resilience and confidence same with breakdancing the moves that yeah dude you know the resilience yeah. the confidence like it, you know, coming out of that environment to find that within you, all of that is extremely therapeutic, mm-hmm. you know, w- without even unpacking any of it or adding anything. Clinical right. Just it. on its, on its face. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it was weird because after our first conversation, mm-hmm. I started having this thought and I just want to run it by you like, or maybe it came up in that first conversation. I don't know. But what I walked away with one day was, is it possible that all of the, what we call the elements of hip hop and the practice of what we know as hip hop was simply the brain's form of self care, mm. right? Like maybe maybe that hip hop was a form of self care from stress, mm-hmm. right? And so like, uh, what's that lady named Brene Brown? Is that her mm-hmm. name, right? She always talks about being seen and heard. 
right? Mm -hmm. And so if you look at America at that time, right? And all the times prior, and even now arguably, right? Like young black males and females and everyone in between are not being feeling seen and heard. And at these raps, these dances, this art was a way of being seen and heard the only way they knew how. And then it kind of like, boiled down into what we know as hip hop. Does, does that seem half reasonable? I have no idea. I'm just talking about like to me, to me, like the fact that it was born out of oppression actually very much kind of exemplifies what you're saying, right? Mm. Because it's like when you're put some put something under so much pressure, it's either going to evolve or die. Right. So in, in that in that scenario. And then you know, I like to think of on more on the spiritual level, like the spirit can't be broken. Mm -hmm. But it's about like what comes out of that. Even when you think about like, you know, Negro spirituals, there yeah. feels right. Like yeah it has to create and so in that when it's put in those circumstances that that creative manifestation is just going to come out of it and then what you're saying about being seen and heard i would say that yes they, there was like this underlying kind of desire and 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 almost like um like some like a fundamental a fundamental kind of almost like like surge of like mm -hmm. i need to be seen and heard but mm -hmm. what, what i like about what about hip-hop is that it's also kind of very self-validating. So you don't- Right, and that's what I mean. I think that it wasn't like for that. advertising, but like right. in my circle of friends, I will yep. be seen and heard like this. And my name is Flash, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like kind yeah. of a thing, right? And then it Definitely. kind of picks up. And I, I was wondering too, if <clears throat> due to kind of the contagious nature of hip hop, right? That maybe that's why it grew so, like people go, how did hip hop get so big, right? If it's a form of self-care that we're unaware of, Right, and you see somebody, oh, what did he do? He wrote on a wall like that. I can do better than that, hold up, blood. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then like, you're doing it too, right? And then it just kind of like becomes viral within within the minds of the young people. Not necessarily yeah. like, we are now graffiti writers and we will, you know what I mean? No, yeah. and it evolves, right? The art right. form evolves because that competitive edge pushes it to like, to you for you to excel at your craft, which is also mm. such a huge, you know core component of what hip the spirit of hip-hop yeah like, which is which is therapeutic mastery. as well which yeah is therapeutic as well continuing to better yourself continuing to push yourself and and feeling like you can always evolve that that is a therapeutic process in and of itself for sure mm -hmm. self-development and self-mastery and the mastery of your craft whatever you have chosen totally. that to be and wanting to be the best at that which sometimes right. yeah there's competitive but it's also like you're wanting to be the best for yourself you know yeah yep. so yeah I think in that regard, it's like, you know, there, there's a lot to that where because of the, the circumstances people were in, you know, they were the, the creativity was just kind of like it needed to be born as a way. Like you said, it's a form of self-care. And like Jonah said, like they're inventing their own therapy, therapy mm -hmm. is self-care. Mm -hmm. So it's like literally, you know, yeah, in terms of it being self-care. Yeah, it's your way to not only cope, but find a way to thrive in that environment. That's deep, that's super yep. deep. Now, a question for both of you, uh, Jonah, you can go first. You know, when, when I started the conversation, I was like, you know, people don't really think of it as a, as a form of self-care, I mean, or, or as, a, as, a, as a tool for PTSD and mm -hmm. therapy, right? Mm -hmm. Like for each of you, what is an example clinically that tells you you know, this helps people. Like if someone was like, look, you know, uh, I don't know nothing about this, but I just don't believe it. What would your exhibit A be? Which, 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 which would, would, would each of you say it would be your exhibit A? Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, 
I think the core of it, and when we're getting into a more clinical level, at least mm -hmm. for how we hold it, I mean, the name mm -hmm. of our organization is called Rhythmic Mind. Right. Um, and so that name really came from um, getting a clinical understanding of how powerful rhythm is in the regulation of the brain and central nervous system with regards to the impact of trauma. Mm. Um, and a lot of this comes primarily from the work of a guy named Dr. Bruce Perry, who's one of okay. the leading luminaries in the field of trauma and trauma research. Uh, he's a neuroscientist. Um, and yeah, done a ton of research in this field. Um, and so his, his basic premise is that, and with, with the research to back it up, is that engaging in rhythm and repetitive rhythmic patterns is one of, if not the most universally effective means of helping the brain and central nervous system to regulate when it's under the impact of trauma. Um, and you can, you can think about this as going all the way back to like being in the womb and the heartbeat mm -hmm. being mm -hmm. one of the, you know, and so these rhythm is just kind of really true. baked into the core of, of who we are and how we, how our, our physiology operates. Right. Um, and trauma essentially is a biological process. It has psychological impact, but it essentially it lives in the body. The issues are in the tissues, they say. Um, that's hard. So, One more time for the people in the back. <laughs> the issues are in the tissues. Our that's that's we, I, I didn't tissues. make that up. I got I got to That's be cool, though, but they still need to hear it, though. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Because it's real. It's hella real. I mean, there's a, another a great book by a guy named Bessel van der Kolk called The Body Keeps the Score, which is all about how trauma really lives in the body. Copying so. on Amazon soon, I promise. Yeah, no, that it's a great, amazing. it's a great read. It's super accessible really, too. Yeah. Very deep clinical concepts, but in very accessible language. Groundbreaking, um, groundbreaking book. Yes, for sure. So, so Max, yeah, I mean that that, and that's kind of irrefutable. Like that's just right. the straight science behind that. And then right. you know, it doesn't take a you know, the fact that hip hop is incredibly rhythmic is also irrefutable. So right. you can draw your own connections between those two. You know, word. Um, yeah, Max, what 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 speaks to you clinically when 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 trying to share with someone, you know, the, the, the clinical value of hip hop as a, as a therapeutic healing tool. I mean, fundamentally, I would have to say that would, the, the, would be the same ground of like mm -hmm. the repetitive rhythmic patterns and mm -hmm. how deep that really goes um, in terms of becoming a regulatory tool while engaging in those repetitive rhythmic patterns, which is what is hip hop, the epitome of repetitive rhythmic patterns. For sure. Right? So essentially science is saying that hip hop is inherently something that regulates the impact of trauma on the brain and central nervous system, as well as the fact that you can use that to regulate yourself and heal and transform from the trauma that you've experienced um, in a way where it allows you to kind of expand your, what you would call your window of tolerance. Right. And so, which, which means that you can actually um, tolerate more stress. Right. Like, so you build resiliency. Mm -hmm. Build resiliency. Exactly. So that's, I, you know, and I could go real deep on that. That's the fundamental ground, though. Right. That's, again, like why our name is Rhythmic Mind, because our kind of mission is to really help to continue to create, evolve and um, unfold minds that are mm -hmm. rhythmic, that are innate, yeah. rhythmic, that have that inherent innate capacity to regulate their their brain and central nervous system and regulate their being essentially uh using the power of rhythm and repetitive rhythmic patterns through hip-hop right right so and that's very clinical it's very scientific it's rooted in all this you know research and um around you know and and, and scientific data around the neuro neurophysiology of trauma and the, the brain and the nervous system um i would also say though that the story piece which is also clinical 
-hmm. is probably another fundamental aspect of how transformative using hip hop as a therapeutic tool or medium can be. You know, so like one of the cornerstones of our model, we, we integrate many different aspects of different evidence-based practices and different uh, modalities, therapeutic yeah. modalities. But one of them is narrative therapy. And that's like one of the cornerstones. And, you know, essentially narrative therapy is, is, is a whole therapeutic modality based in the idea of understanding what your personal narrative is, right? And our, our personal mm. narratives are the story of who we are and kind of like our beliefs about who we are and our in, in relationship to ourselves and to the world around us, how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive the world, especially informed and kind of constructed by all of the, you know, um, social, economic, political, environmental constructs and, um, and, and aspects that, that are also part of that entire picture mm -hmm. that form our identity, right? And form our Deep. story right? Dominant narratives, all these things, right? So using, using hip hop as a, as a way to be able to reauthor your narrative and basically say like, okay, well, this is the story that people are kind of telling me is my story or right. the story that I'm kind of believing about myself because right. of all these other things I've experienced or what the world has told me, but I'm not going to believe that story. I'm going to take ownership of my story and reauthor it to to and rewrite it to what i want it to be um and that, that's I mean, powerful i mean if you do that effectively you, you the healing and transformative power of that is like it, it's really beyond even what you can comprehend mm -hmm. because that means you're, you you can you can change from someone who may be defined by negative aspects of your your past traumatic experiences or your environment and you can rise above that environment decide to make a story where that all actually makes you stronger and wiser for everything that you've been through. It happens to you and not, it happens for you and not to you. And now you, you're assigning new meaning to all of it. And then you're creating music and going through an entire process that allows you to have a vision of a future self and a, and a self that you're becoming that has no limitations in those ways. I mean, of right. course, you know, there's obviously there are limitations to some things, right. but it really is where you place your own limits. You know what I'm saying? So if you, you know, so hip hop is this incredibly powerful tool to be able to, you know, help someone take, take ownership of that story and make it into whatever they want it to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's another piece that I would say is, is fundamentally unarguably like on a clinical level would, would you is, is it pretty irrefutably healing. And, right you know, and no, that's, that's really deep, man. That's really deep. Now, you know, um, you know, back in the day I created hip hop chess federation and, and I had a lot of, um, amazing kind of exchanges and, and, you know, um, engagements with, with young black girls and boys and Latino kids from all over the Bay, um, kids of all backgrounds, to be perfectly honest. And, you know, it was like, the idea of fusing hip hop, chess and martial arts was like an idea that I actually believed in. But then once you start seeing the kids embody it, take it out, win with it, whether they go do a jujitsu competition or they graduate high school, right? Or they get into the college that they wanted to, right? Can each of you uh, give me a story about um, a student that you worked with that kind of what helped prove to you that what you believed in was working? Mm. For sure, for sure. Um, Max, you wanna go? first uh sure sure so 
Yeah, so there's a young man we worked with uh, a couple years ago in a program that we did uh, at Vallejo High. And um, a phenomenal young man. He was already very talented in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, but, but experienced a tremendous like, amount of trauma, right? All, yeah. all kinds of different um, traumatic experiences ranging from, you know, I, I don't want to get too, too personal yeah, but, with it, yeah, but, yeah, but ranging from yes. like, you know, severe exposure to community violence, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of different ins and outs of family dynamics and personal trauma and right. all kinds, like a lot, right? Been through a lot. So some, something that you would call like complex chronic trauma mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, um, and, um, but, you know, it was definitely like a, a really talented young man in terms of, he, you know, Mark, he's a multi-instrumentalist, plays different instruments, Beautiful. Uh, was already making some beats and already like writing rhymes a little bit on his mm-hmm. own. Um, but so we, so we worked, you know, really, really um, closely on this song together. Uh, which basically was unpacking all of that, right? So mm. it's unpacking all of these different traumatic experiences and kind of peeling back the layers of, of you know, who, who he is, what, what kind of made him feel the way he does and believe the way he does and yeah. where all this stuff really comes from. And then changing, helping him change his relationship to those things. Um, and then, you know, he, 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 we wrote this song, it was called Success Through Failure. And, uh, you know, completely all his, you know what I mean? All his- right. His idea was totally his idea to name it that, which is amazing. Right. Um, is that that even the name of the song is kind of a testament to, to the idea of reauthoring your your narrative and and resilience and all that. Yep. So uh, yeah, this song is really powerful. You can definitely check it out on our website. Rhythmic what is Mind. your website? Rhythmicmind.net. There we go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rhythmic it's in the it's in the gallery section. Yeah. Go to the song okay. in there. Yeah. Go to the gallery. We have some few few songs. This one's called Success Through Failure. I highly recommend. It's a very powerful song. Dope. So, so yeah, we made this song, um, and then once it was done, it was mixed and mastered. He got his copy of it, and he listened to it, and then he sent me a text message. And what he said was, "I can't stop listening to this song. Every time I listen to it, I love myself a hundred times more." So like, bro, isn't you know, that beautiful? It, it's in like I can't even express how that felt receiving that text message. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. really, that really is why we do this work. And I can't put into words what that felt like. You know what I mean? So it's really beyond anything that I can verbalize. That's beautiful. um, You know, and the thing is, too, is that, you know, I had been working for years as a mental health clinician, you know, therapist with Mm at-risk youth. um, And I feel like, you know, I I, I did some, I feel pretty good about the work I did. You know, I got some pretty good outcomes with these youth. And it's really challenging. But, you know, I felt like there were times, sometimes I was able to really help these kids out. Uh, I never got any feedback like that from any other client <laughs> right. like, doing normal therapy, right. like ever. There was no one, no kid that was like talking about love myself a hundred times. Right. More. That's so, deep. you know, that's, you know, that shows you the power that, that this can have. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I want to also just say, you know, now we're, we're really proud that we've gone on to now hire that young man. Wow. So now he actually works with us in our organization. He's actually working with us. We're currently doing a, uh, uh, one of our models, which is a hip hop therapy discussion group at Rudsdale Continuation High School in East Oakland. Okay. Uh, we're doing a virtual, you know, format. Of yeah, that. yeah, yeah. No, and, that's uh, fantastic. You know, he's working with us and we're training him because essentially, and he's expressed a lot of interest in it. We actually are, are kind of training and grooming him to hopefully become 
the next, you know, kind of leader of the organization and dude, and, and, you know, essentially like go up, not just stay a staff artist, that right, 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 but, run and but lead yeah. programs on his own, eventually become maybe director of different programs. Man, that is man. Congratulations to both yeah. of you for that, man. Thank that's you, amazing bro. stuff. Appreciate yeah, that. Man, Appreciate that's, that. That's moving it's, stuff. It's always been a huge part of our vision and to see it start to come true is pretty amazing. And just to see the impact that it's had on him mm-hmm. and then how much now he is so like such a champion of the work and like wants to continue, you know, passing the torch forward. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's I great. mean, ultimately it's, it's an honor for us to, to yes. be able to have someone of this caliber yes. um, on the team. He's a, just an incredible young yeah. man um, and, you know, only going to be getting better. Uh, and this, and to see the impact that that he's unable to have on the work as well, you know, mm-hmm. to see to see uh, um, the impact that he has on the youth directly um, because he's so close to their experience and being able to share and even like sharing, you know, the song. It's one thing for us to play the song. Oh, this is a kid that came through the group, but when he's there in the group and he's like, "Yeah, this is the song I made coming through the program," and you see the kids just like, "What? Yeah. crazy!" Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a yeah we are we are again we are just super honored um to to be able to work with with such stellar people and to have them mess with us like that um mm-hmm. and and really juice for what the future holds in that regard oh yeah um yeah so the other story um i would like to tell is this this goes back a bit this was actually probably the first real group we did with our curriculum and mm-hmm. this was uh more of what we now call our flagship program. So this is okay. a, a fairly robust program that includes the discussion group part that Max was talking about, mm-hmm. but it also then has like some beat making, tutorial stuff, lyric writing, ultimately culminating in the creation of an original piece of music, um, which is basically a vehicle for this reauthored narrative. So there's like a visualization process that goes in along the way and just kind of getting clarity around um, a successful vision of yourself in the future, success being completely open to definition of however the particular youth wanted to find that. It's not necessarily monetary. Um, and then the song kind of being the uh, the crystallization of that vision and mm-hmm. leaving it wide open for them. They can talk about literally, they can be totally metaphorical, symbolic, however they want right. to do it, but that's the spirit of the song. So the song kind of becomes, um, a, again, a sort of embodiment of that reauthored narrative. Now, now the song itself is what they can present to the world is like, this is my, my newly reauthored narrative. Right, right. Um, so this young man, um, this was at uh, Ralph Bunch Continuation High School in West Oakland. Okay. Um, yeah. So this young man was, yeah, again, definitely experienced a, a tremendous amount of trauma um, over the course of his life. Without going too in depth, a lot of challenges with uh, anxiety and even right. a little more extreme kind of mental health challenges, but in the realm of anxiety, um, super kind of closed off to the world. Even his body language tended mm. to be kind of like hunched mm-hmm. over and just mm-hmm. guarded and you mm-hmm. know, um, not very socially engaged. Definitely academic challenges. I mean, he's at a continuation high school, so clearly, you know, academic, brilliant, but right, right, right. challenges engaging, you know. Um, excuse me. And so... Um, he had some experience making beats, definitely had like some, some talent in that area as well. And he'd written a rap or two, but he never made like a whole song. So the, the group was the, the first opportunity for him to actually make like a, a whole song. A real track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and so over the course of the group, while we're going over the discussion group part and, you know, the, 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 the course of the, the group before the song's done, he started to undergo some pretty dramatic changes, like literally you could see his body language change. He started mm, kind of like his posture change, right, 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 right. Literally, right. his posture change. He started to show yeah. up in an embodied way, and like he, he just more presence, more presence in his voice, more presence in his face. You know, um, 
we literally had a teacher come and be like, I don't know what you guys are doing in there, but this is like a new kid in my class. Yeah, that, was, that is that always is some of the best stuff, right? When other teachers come to you yeah. and talk about, man, that always yeah. feels fantastic. For real, for, for real. Sure. You see that the changes are, are having rippling, lasting impact. It's not just mm -hmm. kind of in the context of the group. And then he goes back to how he was in before. But um, yeah, so felt great and was great to see. Um, yeah. You know? And then so the song he made, um, it's also on the website and the gallery page. Definitely recommend checking it out. It's called Golden Piano. Okay. And so for him, he really identified music as being uh, both kind of the, the successful destination as well as the tool that he would use to get there. So both the journey and the destination was going to be right. music. You know, he was really going all in with that. Um, and so Golden Piano was kind of a, this metaphor for that whole process as, as well as destination. Um, and super happy to say that now this was back in what, like 2014. So um, now over the last few years, he has gone on to be a, a pretty prominent member of like a kind of underground hip hop scene. That's in Oakland. Definitely, you know, highly, highly regarded as a, as a, definitely as a producer, people right. really look up to this dude as a producer, right. uh, but also a really talented MC as well. Oh, yeah. um, he goes by Overcast. So O-V-R-K-A-S-T. Um, yeah, definitely check out his band camp. Uh, phenomenally talented young man, phenomenally talented. Um, and yeah, he just dropped an album. I think it was like the end of 2019. Uh, it was like his first solo album called try man, again. That's so fresh. try again right there. That's the embodiment of right. resilience. Like literally he is, he is speaking right. directly to resilience. Um, and to see that he really had gone on to, to manifest this vision that he set for himself. You know, he laid it out in this song and then executed on it and had created the, the essentially a career in music. Um, that is fantastic. Following um, all of that. And so going even just to like a step further, because that alone, we were like, that wow. did, right, right, did right, it. Right. Word, that's what's up. Like he really mm -hmm. did it. Right. And he voiced to us that, you know, obviously the credit is to him. But he did right. voice to us at one point that like, yeah, your guys' program was what really springboarded me into this. Into that, man. We have a testimonial from him on our website talking about wow. like the clarity and the motivation and all of that. So um, definitely speaks to the power of, of the work as well. While the credit, the talent solely his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. I understand what you're saying. Crystallize all yeah. That, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's so the, goal, the power of mentors, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And, and, and hip hop in general as well. Like the hip yes. healing power. Go to the hip hop. To go back to there. <laughs> right. Um, but so even to go a step further, this was like early, early 2020, I think. And I was reading uh, Ambrosia for Heads. Uh, and there was a review of Earl Sweatshirt's last album. Okay. Um, I can't remember what it was called offhand, but. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, just reading the little review, looking at the, produ the production credits. And I see this fool's name on like a, at least one, if not a couple of them. What? Like, what? Is this the same? What? Check what? It. He, like, he, he played it off cool. He was like, oh yeah, Earl been messing with me for a minute. So yeah, it was cool to get up. Wow. That uh, Earl Sweatshirt. Earl wow. Sweatshirt, bro. Earl That's Sweatshirt. off the chain. And then I remembered back in the group when we were just kicking it, like chopping it up about hip hop and whatever, mm. he referenced Earl as one of his favorite MCs and artists. Unbelievable. Yeah, man. Actually like, you know, he's the homie now and worshiping <laughs> So yeah, man, that's a, that we like, you know, so happy for him and just definitely, these are the kind of things that just give us this like bedrock of unshakable right. faith and belief in the power this work can have. Yeah. Like the little, like the literal manifestation of the full vision of what he envisioned for himself. I know, just right? Years. Not the only create, create a successful career in music. That was the first song by the, I think, yeah, Jonah said that was the first song he ever made in yeah. our group. 
Wow. A few years later, he's a successful, you know, um, artist with a cult following and, you know, producing for working Earl's with top tier dudes. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful, so, man. You know, and then a lot of what we do is not it's not always about like uh, having these kids like become, you know, artists. Rappers necessarily. And right. It's not about right. that. It's not about that. These were just examples of where basically what they envisioned for themselves, they did manifest. Right. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. of the what they found in the process. Right. In the process of doing all this, they realized, oh, I really can create the reality I want for myself. You know? Yeah, man. And no, that's that, deep, man. Like, beyond that, like going back to, to the other young man um, that we're talking about that now works for us. Uh, he, he also talked to us about how like shortly after that, and this is kind of like we haven't done research around this part. Right, right, right. But like, this is crazy, bro. This is what he said. He's like, he's like, so yeah, what I realized is like, during the process and he was more referencing the process of recording the song mm -hmm. so like because you know what we also do is we kind of coach them right, right? right, so, right of course so you know like maybe they're they're not sure how to spit something how to deliver it whatever right, right. right we're giving them different different options of how to do that always empowering them and letting them make the call um and having them be the be the ones who are really deciding what they want to create and how they mm -hmm. want to do that but giving them little suggestions and coaching along the way, whether it's what word to rhyme with or how to deliver that bar, right? Mm -hmm. So in the booth, I, I was doing that with him. And what he told me, and this is not something we had ever conceptualized before, but what he told me was that in looking at the different ways that he could approach the beat and like deliver the lyrics and the bars and the rhythm and cadence and delivery over that beat, in, in, in having me kind of coach him through that process and in him going through that whole kind of process of trying different things, mm. he learned a profound lesson that he then applied to his life, which is that you can approach life the same way. So mm. you can like, when mm. life throws, whatever life throws at you, that's like the beat. That's like a certain kind of right. rhythm. You can fit, you can find a way to flow with to that. To weave within that. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then he was even saying, and even how to like approach it from different angles and perspectives that allow you to assign different meanings to it that are actually going to serve you better. That's so he, beautiful. And then he literally told us that after that, all of his relationships completely changed for the better. Mm -hmm. So his wow. ability to actually function in his relationships with his family, with his girlfriend, with his <laughs> friends, which, which were highly, highly kind of charged and, 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 you know, a little bit, um, you know, sometimes toxic or dysfunctional. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, of course. He was, right. able to, he was able to like, because of all the trauma, but he was able to like literally kind of, you know alchemically change all of that so yeah that is that, fantastic that's and, and again we haven't that was just something that he just told yeah, us yeah, yeah yeah but like yeah no that's but that's a great uh personal reflection you know what i mean in terms of how your For art real. helps you live outside of the art itself you For know real. real now one of the things i wanted to talk to you about was you know it wasn't until I started teaching and working with kids, especially like kids in the juvenile hall, which I know you guys have done a lot of work uh, over in Oakland and stuff with, uh, that I realized the impact of violence on the mind's ability to learn. You know, yeah. I think that, that, that yeah. when you're dealing with like, you know, hip hop ed or just any teaching that deals like with inner city kids or at risk youth, like, you know, the impact of violence on the human brain is, is a totally it's like, it's not an, in my opinion, a properly acknowledged thing that, that, that teachers keep with them in their head and their heart when, yeah. when they're dealing with kids. Like, can, can either of you tell me what you know about the impact of violence on the mind and, and, and you know, so that 
people can have a little bit more empathy for the young people that they're judging and or just working with, right? For sure, for sure. I would say at its at its base, and you know, I definitely think Max will have some stuff to add on here as well. Um, yeah, trauma basically on a biological level cuts off access to the um, you know the higher functioning parts of your brain, the prefrontal mm. cortex, which is mm-hmm. the part that's responsible for more. Um, cognitive capacities and rational thought and things like that. And so it's not that you don't have that intelligence. It's that you're literally, when you're in a, when you're impacted by trauma and in a sort of traumatized state, which Mm -hmm. a lot of these youth are damn near constantly. Because right, it's right. ongoing. It's not one incident. Right. When they're happened. living in gang related areas. Yeah, it's like it's, it's, it's trauma that happened yesterday, trauma that happened today, trauma probably can happen tomorrow, and you're saturated. Right. So you're baseline almost. And these all exist on a spectrum and it flows day to day. And any individual youth might have more resilience, so they're not as. But in right. general, it's a pretty saturated, trauma saturated environment. And so coming from a baseline of fight or flight, you do not have access to those parts of your brain. I mean, so in extreme examples, there are youth who were thought were to be like mute, like just biologically Mm. mute with enough regulation. They could talk the whole time. It's just that they didn't have access to that part of their brain. Yeah. So that, that's, that's just kind of the cut and dry of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, essentially violence is trauma, right? Mm -hmm. So violent, when you talk about the, the, the impact of violence on the brain, you're talking essentially about severe trauma and the way that that shuts down the parts of the brain that allow you to access your ability to control your impulses, yeah. allow you to access your ability to effectively think through things, to critically think, to not mm-hmm. react to your emotions, mm-hmm. to, um, to basically have the capacity to think through the possible consequences of your actions, mm-hmm. right? All these different aspects that, again, are only, you only have access to when, you're, when your prefrontal cortex is online right? That's the most evolved part of our brain. It's the part that's responsible for executive functioning. When you're in your optimal zone, right? That's when that's all online. And when that's shut down, you're, 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 it's basically like crippling the mind. So, and then not to mention the, the, the underneath the prefrontal cortex is the limbic system. That's the emotional brain. So that more is responsible for memories and attachment and like relational kind of connection, like the ability to relate, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're, when that's shut down, you are now perceiving everything in your environment as a threat, right? Because you're more moving down to the bottom of the brain, the reptilian survival complex, fight or flight. When when you're in fight or flight, everything is a threat. So you're just constantly scanning your environment to see if it's safe, right? And of course, if you've been around violence and that kind of trauma, then you're constantly thinking that your environment is unsafe. And so you're looking for any cues that are going to confirm that. And you're also going to be associating and projecting and kind of re-experiencing those, that violence. So even when someone looks at you a certain way, it's going to have that same trigger. Or when the teacher talks to you in the classroom a certain way, it's going to have that same trigger because that's the way trauma works. It, it triggers these things that are associations from that fight or flight response. And now you feel like you're back in that traumatic experience again. That's so, deep. Yeah, yeah, man. So yeah. it's it's like without understanding that, it's easy to look at these things and kind of oversimplify it and, and not understand that like, look, like unless you can actually address the impact of that kind of violence and trauma on the brain and help these kids and youth and adults get access to the parts of their brain that they allows them to have and form and maintain a meaningful connection with another person, meaningful right. relationship, as well as access the higher part of their brain where they can use logic 
and reason and effectively communicate, well, then there's really like there, there there's not much you can expect from them to change. Right. You know and and again, that's all very systemic, right? It's all it's all in this bigger context of structural yeah. structural oppression, systematic racism, and marginalization. No, that's deep, man. That's very deep, man. I appreciate uh, the wisdom you guys are sharing on the show because it's very much like needed. I still think that, you know, as much as it's growing in some ways on the West Coast and the East Coast, I think like nationally and globally, it's still just like a drop in the bucket to what's needed, right? For, For these kids to uh, thrive and 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 and, and be better, right? Um, you know, I wanted to know when, when you guys think about your own paths in hip hop, like... Um, Tell me about how did your path in hip hop get you to this point where you wanted to do what you do? For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, for me, um, started at a very young age. Uh, I think I wrote like a first rap when I was about nine years old, mm-hmm. um, you know, growing up in, in the Bay Area in Berkeley. What's the first rap that you remember knowing? The first rap that I remember knowing. Um, well, the the... Man, that's a tough question offhand. You mean by somebody else? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like a song that like you would hear or a video that you. The first tape I remember buying was Beastie Boys License to Ill. Dope. So I'm thinking it was something off of that. (laughs) I'm thinking it was something off of that. Great entry point. (laughs) Um, But I don't, yeah, my my memory is not what it once was. No, that's cool. No, no, no. I was just curious. I was just curious. Yeah, 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 that's fine. Um, yeah, but but growing up in the in the Bay Area in that um, you know eighties, nineties, like hip hop was definitely around a lot. Um, so kind of just osmosis, picking mm-hmm. it up, um, friends, older brothers, older sisters, stuff like that. You know, um, memories of like friends, older sister playing uh, Big Daddy Kane's first album for us. Right. So like, what is this? It's crazy. So cool. Uh, Especially Kane. You know? He was murderous, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Or like, or like I remember the, like when a uh, DOC first came out. DOC funky. was a complete it's problem been, for the game, bro. Man. He that was, debut that, album was one of bro. the best solo album. rap debuts, I think ever, ever. Love that album. But even like, even like, so I think I was in middle school roughly then and, you know, mm-hmm. go to the middle school dance and when it's funky enough came on and the energy that would just ignite in that was a crazy song just feeling like there's you know there's there's a spiritual force here something (laughs) is happening even if like a 12 year old 11 year old mind i'm like this is with some real shit that's happening yeah i know transformative (laughs) power coming through the speakers you know um so that was kind of the attraction to it um was was through all of that and then um it's not something I ever really, really pushed like, yo, I'm going to be a rapper. I'm going to be a producer. Right. I, got into, I got into rapping first and then was like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to make beats to rap too. So started mm-hmm. on little dinky Casio keyboards and right. you know, on with other equipment and, and yada, yada. Um, but it was always something I did in a sense, looking back, it was therapeutic. It was always something I did therapeutic. Right. Right. You know I mean, it was a, it was a craft that I could continue to pour myself into and um, try to improve constantly and, you know, con- definitely connected with a lot of friends and social circles and stuff like that through it. But, um, yeah, it was never something where I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a rapper. Right. Um, right. But then uh, so that's always something I carried with me for, you know, through the decades of my life. Mm-hmm. And then Max and I met in grad school back in like 2010, roughly 2010, Dope. 2011, uh, JFK, um, the holistic counseling psychology program there. Okay. Um, and so, um, and he, you know, definitely also lifelong hip hop head, definitely let right. him tell his own story. But um, 
that was kind of a point of connection for us it was like, Oh yeah, cool. We rap, yada, yada. Mm. Um, and then for me, I had not really made all these connections though, between hip hop therapy, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I was in a child psychology class and I was working on a project um, exploring creativity in general, creativity right. and health. Um, Cause that was something I've long held is that just being creative is a fundamental aspect of what it means to be a healthy human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really detriment when, when we've been taught that like, if you don't have a certain level of aptitude at whatever creative medium that you could get paid for it, then it's a waste of your time and you shouldn't be right. similarly to, um, you know, like exercise. You don't have to right. be so good at a form of exercise that you could be a professional athlete. Right. Like, well, you know, if, if you're not going to go pro, like playing basketball yeah. is completely worthless. Exercise right. is healthy for you, you know, same right. about right. So uh, it was actually for my undergrad, what I with peace and conflict studies. And I was looking at creativity and health and how those things could be used as a violence prevention. So there was a okay. somewhat of a natural progression there, but in this context of looking at um, creativity and, and working with youth, um, in a therapeutic capacity, I came across um, the work of Beats, Rhymes, and Life, which is another pretty groundbreaking hip hop right. organization. Right, yeah. amazing stuff. And so, um, finding that it was like a you know just a light bulb moment for me, where I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold up. You mean I could take this thing that has given me you know so much value, so much life, mm-hmm. hip hop. You know, um, I can take that, and then I can. Um, be of service to the world. Um, and I also have a lot of like family history and social justice for lack of a better term. Um, Beautiful. my yeah. pops was involved in a lot of different things. Um, he, uh, he was the athletic director at Oberlin college and he hired okay. Tommy Smith after the 68 Olympics as the head Dang. track coach there. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. First ever, uh, black head, head coach at a, at a non HBCU. That's uh, crazy. So those, those, those values were instilled in me growing up. You know what I yeah, mean? And so yeah. being able to be like, okay, I can actually, rather than just kind of like talk about that shit, I can actually maybe put my life's work towards some, you know, for lack of mm-hmm. better term, social justice, be of service, be helpful to people and make a living at it and use this thing that is so, you know, so much a part of the fabric of who I am and which brings me so much joy in life. And that I can weave fantastic. all those into it, something real. And that can, so it was like, kind of like a path opened up before me and was like, all right, this That's is kind beautiful. of my, you know, my life's purpose. So yeah, yeah. Um, that, was, that was sort of where all that came together came for from. me. Dude, that's crazy. So Max, tell me. Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, I mean, I also discovered hip hop super young. You know, I was like, um, probably 11 or 12 when I started kind of like freestyling and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't really write rhymes until like I was probably about 16 or 15 or 16, but even just when I started like freestyling and shit, like already it was something that like very quickly, it felt like home. Right, right, right. And I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm half Latino. I'm mixed race. I grew up in, in Northern New Mexico and, um, you know, I grew up in, uh, I had a lot of different exposure to a lot of things. Like I grew mm. up kind of in the hood and then we moved out of the hood. There was a lot of different things and there was a lot of different um, influences in my life, a lot of paths I could have taken. And hip hop really was like a guiding light for me. Like it was like, me it too. Helped, it helped totally. me to like avoid certain paths that I could have totally. gone down. Totally. You know totally. So, yeah. And it helped me to like really find my, com- like find confidence and find like, uh, like tap into like, begin to understand what like my infinite potential is and like tap into that and understand the ideas you know it taught me so much things about like knowledge of self and 
and uh, the idea of each one teach one and all, all these things that are kind of these fundamental principles. Right? Well, hold up, but you didn't say the first rap record that you remember, but what was that? And honestly, right. If I think like the first rap that I actually started like memorize a little bit, yeah, yeah. I fucked the police. <laughs> you, know I mean? you came like, in at a great time. <laughs> yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? Cause like, That's cause like, I'm, you know, like my, my, my siblings, they were listening to a little bit of, um, you know, beastie boys and things like that. But then my, one of my homies, he actually is the one who like he gave me a tape, and on that mm. tape was NWA's greatest hits on one side. I remember that that record. What and was the other side? The other side was the other side was the artifacts between a rock and a hard place, and then uh, a little, and then like the Yo, and, and, you and got then, ex exposed to the dopest. Right? Like real. that's crazy. Yeah, and then and then uh, and then Slick Rick, um, Mona Lisa, the, just that song. Mm. So it was just that's like, a hell of a story too, right? Right, right for Yo. real, for real. So that so I just listened to that like non-stop. You know what I'm saying? Literally, yeah. like so it just boom, boom, boom. And then, you know, yeah, fuck the police was definitely like what stuck first because it's like, you know it what I mean? So coming from the know, underground. It's you know? so funny because I I I I just the other day I recorded a show about Ice Cube and all the stuff that he's been going through, right? Mm -hmm. But I was saying, like, it's hard for people from our generation. Right. If you were around for that when it first came out mm -hmm. to explain to a young person today when hip hop is everywhere, what it was like to hear like straight out of Compton mm -hmm. in a time when nothing on earth sounded like straight out of Compton. Nothing right. sounded like Big Daddy King. Nothing, nothing sounded like it. Right. It's yeah. crazy the way yeah. that that was like you're like, for what sure. in the for world? Sure. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, for real, for real, Definitely. for real. And it was cool, too, because it was like my introduction was like that side, which was the West. Mm -hmm. but then also the east coast on the other right side the artifacts and all of that yeah. crazy and then i ended up going deep into that you know the next like diving deep into wu-tang and yeah and you know even like i remember like nine cloud yeah. nine that was one of my first tapes yeah yeah so, yeah like, so yeah like uh so you know and then I, I i you know definitely gravitated more to the 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 part of hip-hop that had a lot more substance that was a little more had yeah. a message was conscious revolutionary i was yeah, always yeah. very much identified in that way, I was always yeah, very much totally. like kind of, you know, fuck the system. Yeah. So, yeah. so basically, um, you know what I'm saying? Growing up in that, in that situation. And then, and then I started to kind of gravitate more towards like the skater crews that were hanging mm -hmm. out at the skate park, but they were all the hip hoppers too. Right. Mm -hmm. So they were like, you know, the, they, 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 a lot they overlap graffiti, they were MCs, all that. So I started to, you know, really get my chops in, you know, freestyling and stuff like that. And, um, you know, from there, I started to actually be like, I'm pretty good at this. So yeah. then I was like, yeah, you know, like, so then I started to actually write rhymes and uh, record songs when I was in my, you know, relatively later teenage years. Mm. Um, and then I, from there, I moved to the Bay Area, um, you know, and like, I mean, fast forward a little bit, right? Like, right, of course, like, right. like 2001 or something. I moved, yeah. I moved here. And I, I did that to go to um, Expression College for Digital Arts because yeah, I wanted yeah. to learn the technical aspects of the craft so I could learn how to like Sweet. produce and record my own music as well as the creative side, you know? So, and the Mecca, like, you know, the Bay was like the Mecca for all the, the hip hop I grew up listening to. Like it, in, in, in New Mexico, there's a scene, there's a pretty big hip hop scene and like that kind of music was very prevalent in, in the circles I was in. Yeah, no, nah, that makes that. total sense. Yeah, man. Like, you know, high row, living legends. Yeah. All that so, yeah. Um, so we, you know, the coup, 
So yeah, so yeah. I came out here like this is where I want to be, right? So, <laughs> totally. And uh, you know, I went to Expression College for Digital Arts, and uh, you know, fast forward, I'm making some music. I actually made some some pretty dope connections with cats that uh, actually um, ended up being you know kind of part of a crew, Delmont yeah. crew. I was affiliated with you know them. That's that's Lush One. Tight. Like, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We actually just uh, side note, we just just dropped a really dope interview with him on our Sick. on our channel and our blog definitely check that out people Beautiful. are listening because it's really dope yeah for but, sure. but um yeah connected with him made hella music with those cats um and then you know i was making music and i actually released an ep and you know i was i was doing my thing um and uh you know rocking hella shows and shit and then i um started working with an organization called the beat within Okay. And this is an organization that basically was doing poetry and creative writing workshops in juvenile halls. And they, they still do. They do amazing wow. work. They've been doing it for like 20 or 30 years, a long time. So um, I did that for a few years. And once I started doing that, that's when I started like, like doing that work. Like I really felt like I was fulfilling my purpose on the planet, like working with the kids in the hall. Mm -hmm. And of course, because I was like hip hop to my core, like I brought that in because they were doing, you know, poetry and creative writing, but there wasn't this, of course they were, the kids would, would write. Right, right. Like, but you know, the, but the, but the teachers weren't, the instructors it weren't wasn't, so it that. wasn't the nature of the workshop or the curriculum, right. but right. being who I am, I brought that shit in. So I just started mm -hmm. like, I started like, you know, doing freestyle sessions with the kids. Mm -hmm. I even did a battle once. That was not a good idea. <laughs> learn, <laughs> learn, that always learn, gets learn somebody that, in trouble, blood. <laughs> learn from that mistake for real. That was not, you know, this is- Learn that you have to battle the kid. You can't I, let the kids battle each other. I'll I battle did you. Ba I did battle the kid. I did well, battle You roasted the kid. him and he got mad? I served the kid, bro. I served him. And then like, he didn't get mad. Like he took it, you know, he took it like, like a, a G. Man. Yeah, he took it like a G, but then afterwards, I had heard that like some other kid was teasing him about it. Oh, like that's why you got and roasted then, by the teacher. And <laughs> then that kid, and then they almost got They stabbed. started thugging out. Yeah, hey. so it was like, so I learned, you know, and this is before I ever studied psychology, so I wasn't fully aware of certain dynamics, you know what I mean? Yeah, but uh, so that especially was in the, especially in the hall, especially yeah, in the, the hall. hall hey, yeah. yes, you yes, know, I'm coming from I'm coming from the frame of like, oh, it's all love, it's hip hop, battling. Yeah, you're like, uh, uh, but nah, <laughs> bro. Like when kids have that kind of you know, who you never know, you're dealing with kids who are like in there for murder for you know, sure. Hey, so like, yeah, it's not the same. So anyways, so uh, that was that was a lesson. That was a lesson. But and another thing is, you know, I I I really use hip hop as a way to kind of earn their respect. Because yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like I am half Latino, but I am white passing for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. They might yeah. make judgments, but man, like when I was spitting some, you know, I like, I basically would like spit verses for them as a reward for them actually kind of doing the exercises. That's and so shit. dope. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that really helped me build some really strong relationships and earn their respect. And then they listen to me. Yeah. So, I, dude, yeah, to, so, to that point, I think that it's been really interesting to see as an educator, how, and a lot of teachers get this wrong when they come in like, <laughs> Hey kids, I'm beatboxing, and you're like, right. no, no, right? Like, you're killing yourself, dude. For real, right? For real. But like, when they recognize that you really do whatever, it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, uh, graffiti dude, an MC or whatever. Like, it creates a resonance that's unbreakable. And like, sure. I remember being in schools, and a kid would be wild, and I'd be like, "Can you chill out though?" And they'd be like, "All right," and they would just chill. And other teachers would be like. He would never listen to me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Real. But no. they don't understand that resonance. Cause like I'm writing an assignment on the board. And right. then one of them was like, did you used to do graffiti? And I'm like, well, I was a tagger. You know what I mean? And just that. Right. 
We'll yeah, we'll connect you. Sure. Yeah, no, man, sure. it, it builds such a fucking solid bridge and such a strong relationship and so much trust and respect. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing about hip hop is that you it, if you're if you're nice with it, mm-hmm. then it transcends all of those barriers, all the cultural, yeah. socioeconomic, yeah. racial, all that shit goes out the window because they're just like, oh, you you got skills, you can't deny that. You know, or I mean? even or even having like a genuine connection and appreciation of the culture as a whole. Um, I'm yeah. just uh, incidents totally. came to my mind where I was working with a young man. Uh, this wasn't through like rhythmic mind, but just as a as a clinician, and right. he was a graffiti writer. Right. Uh, and I'm not a writer, but I have right. a deep appreciation for it. I had been at Mike Dream's celebration Word. just a little bit before that. I had a R. bunch R. of pictures from. That was my homie, man. R. He was a good oh, dude. Oh, real? Yeah. yeah he so, it seems like it. Seems R. like R. Yeah, he was uh, awesome. Yeah. Phenomenal artist, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I was there just because you know I appreciate right. it. And so I had pictures from all the pieces that were done. So right. I'm like, oh, you know who Dream is? He's like, of course I know who Dream. What the fuck are you talking about? So I'm like, yeah, my bad, my bad. But yeah, I was so I was in his thing. So now I'm I'm showing him. You know, there's no right. not, it's not a front I'm putting on. I was there. I got pictures right. on my phone. Yeah. Boom, 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 and you could see his whole demeanor towards me change. Isn't it's it like, amazing? It's like this white therapist dude. Okay, maybe right. Oh, okay, cool. Right, right, right. right. I did, you know, I didn't like go research who my dream was and come back to him. And you right, know, right. Having that I was connection. looking at some bubble letters. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, all right, exactly. get this guy out of here. And so and even though what... I'm not a writer myself, I couldn't do it. Like just having that genuine appreciation and connection and respect. And um, that's what it, for the culture allowed for a bridge to be there as well. And that's yeah. what it really comes down to is that it's the authenticity, right? Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the authenticity that comes through. And so I guess you could say it's not just hip hop because you could, like you said, you could have the wrong approach with that. <laughs> and like, it's not going to work. It's not going to go over very well. But if you're authentic and you have that real, like, you know, you actually are connected to the real culture, that's going to come through. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, nah, so, you that's know, really with the, dope. With the kids, you know, so that, that happened. And then I basically was like, man, this is amazing. You know, I, mean, I saw the impact I was having. Like, I was more fulfilled doing that than I was from even making the music and rocking yeah. the show. So that's what led me to go to JFK to study psychology. And that's where you guys met. That's and we crazy. met. You know, I mean, we had similar visions and, you know what I mean? Backgrounds. Like, yeah, because I, I, already, I already went into it thinking I wanted to – I had a vision in the future after working in the hall doing that. I had mm-hmm. a vision of somehow combining hip-hop and something to do with the healing arts and psychology and bringing those things together. Um, and I had also already like, you know, heard of and been exposed to like BRL and shit like that too. Right, 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 I, right. I had, but I had my own kind of vision. And then, and then, yeah, we met and like, you know what I'm saying? Started forming like Voltron and then. That know, is fantastic, the- man. Yep. That yep. is so cool. Now, before we go, because we've been talking about hip hop this whole time, I want to know from each of you, one of the best hip hop shows you ever went to. Mm-hmm. And and while you guys think about that, I'll tell you um what's one of my I have too many. Me too. Man. I, I got a pick. lot too, really bro. You know what I'm saying? So let me I'm really over here trying to, to throw pick, a question. Man. I'm not even sure I can answer it. Okay. <laughs> I will tell can we you. Do top will t- three? Can we do top three? We'll do top three. We'll do top three. Cool. All right. Top All right. Three. So, so the first one was. It wasn't the Fresh Fest because I went to the Fresh Fest at the Oakland Coliseum, which Mm -hmm. was bonkers. Okay, I went to, I think it was the Raising Hell Tour. It was Run DMC, Houdini, Cool J. I forget who else was on that. Maybe the Fat Boys. Maybe the Fat Boys. All right. So I, I had a ticket behind the stage. It wasn't the best 
look, okay? But when Run DMC and Jam Master J came out, they got on stage, they're doing their thing, they're doing their thing. Look at run, 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 right? And Jam Master J turns around and all these kids are going crazy. But for some reason, I just pointed at him. I pointed at him. I don't know why, but I pointed at him. And he was like, he pointed back. He goes, hold up. He picks a record up and he's like, and he tries to toss it to me. And he goes, show him and it goes to the right. And he's like, hold up. He's like, show him, it goes to the left. And he do it, did a third one and it went right over my head. He looked at me, he's like, like I tried, player. You know what I'm saying? And that's I was like, yeah. But like that show was bonkers. So that's one. Okay. Two is going to be. Seeing Easy E and NWA perform at a roller rink in Richmond. It was their first show in the Bay Area ever. Mm. That was just crazy because it was a roller rink in Hella Hood. Yeah. And I had never been to a to a show where I was on a list before. And so Easy told me, just go to the front of the line. I was like, right. I was in high school. This is when the starters were out. So I had the New York starter. You know, they was like, they was jacking for starters like off top. And I went to the front of the line and these fools was like, hey, get out the line, fool. You gotta go to the back. And I was like, Easy said I'm on a lot. And they was like, yo, if this fool is not on the list, blood, we fixing the mob, y'all. Like, and so I was like, me and my homies. And the dude was like, oh, I don't see your name. I don't see your name. And everybody, oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was about to get it. And then it was like, I was like, there it is. And then he was like, they was like, is he on the list? And the dude was like, he's on the list. I was like, no. And then so I went back and I met Easy and I and I met Dre and Ren and everybody except Ice Cube because he was in school at the time. His dad wouldn't let him tour. His dad didn't think NWA was gonna work. And he Crazy. was at, I think, uh Arizona State, something like that. Okay. Studying like graphic design. So his dad wouldn't let him play the tour. And so that show was bonkers. Um, and then even though it wasn't an actual show the digital underground mm. record release party for sex packets oh, was out <laughs> of control. No, must be bonkers, it was man. the illest party I have I ever, yeah. ever. I have yeah. nothing to compare that to. No, and tragically, in the midst of all that mayhem, Two Shorts limo driver got shot in the head and killed in the alley, and that's how the party ended. Damn, that is yeah. Bonkers, That's but terrible. I mean, imagine the livest party you ever done. Woo, 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 and then all of a sudden, woo, woo, everybody got to go. There's a dead guy in the alley. It was like what? And then like, yeah, crazy. Okay, those are my three. What got? That is crazy. That is those crazy. are those are hard pressed to to top. <laughs> no, no, yeah. but I mean, those but it's all our journey, like, right? Like it's I, all our journey, though. So for sure, for sure, like, I can imagine how how crazy that party must have been, just because I, I only went to one DU show. And that Yo. was that was nuts. Epic. Like Justice League or something. There, if yeah. anybody they, they was at play. that digital underground party, comment. Because <laughs> you know it was bonkers. Bonkers. I'm sure. I can't yeah. even imagine, bro. I can't fathom that. Yeah. All right. Either one of y'all. Um, um, all right. I'll go. Okay. Go, go, go. Um, so top three. I think um one would be uh and this was just on some some hip hop just skill level yeah, yeah, and the worked. way it was performed it was an artifact show uh, at this tiny little spot in Oakland. Um, it wasn't that long ago, you know. It wasn't like uh, maybe like four or five years. It was actually uh, yeah, artifacts yeah. and Ed OG too, which was dope. The the combo of the two was, was really really dope. And Ed OG was 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 amazing. 
but the artifacts, man, the show they put on, just the the level of, you know, I forget their DJ's name because they had yeah, him with yeah. them too. And it was just like hip hop in its purest form. You know, the DJ just artifacts constantly, so live. constantly cutting, constantly the DJ's active the whole time. Um, and the level of just uh, the breath control, the stage the, presence, the lyrical stage presence, the dexterity, all of it just executed flawlessly. It was yeah. like, it was like top to bottom, like textbook hip hop performance and just in that moment just really taking it in appreciating like yo the, these fools are really really doing this shit yeah uh, tiny little show it was almost i think it was like an art gallery or something like yeah, that yeah, yeah, i don't yeah. remember the name of it but it was a very small Sick. show but yeah they killed yeah, that's it. dope um i think another one would be it was i don't remember if it was the second or the third high road day it was after when man high road days are always bonkers so Ooh. crazy bro so if you crazy. if you if you live outside of the bay man and you get a chance to go to high road day you, you need gotta, to do yourself a favor you player you got to go you got to go for and real this was this was when it was still free so right. it had that whole vibe to it like right. it was just being so uh so kind of blown away by um just the beauty of the whole oh. thing and the way that they expressed it when they were like, you know, we say Hiro day. We don't even mean like, Hey, everybody look at us. We're saying Hiro, like hieroglyphic sacred yes. glyph, Hiro day, a sacred day for the city of Oakland, because we know yeah, there's man. so much beauty and so much richness here, despite the bad rap that it gets. And sometimes that's deserved. Come too. on, man. Yeah. But yeah, like there's, there's all there's, this yeah. other, you know, food, clothing, just so much richness. And Hiro day is, is, and we want to create a sacred day to, to highlight all of that. And you could see there was, you know, there's never been problems. People clean it up afterwards. Yeah, man. Like there's like, no fights and mayhem. So it's love, dope, man. So much yeah. love. And so Fire. this, I think this was the year when like Gene Kwan officially yep. made nine, three, September 3rd. I remember that. Officially I remember that. A plaque and all that. Yeah. And they, there was one moment in particular where they had uh, the live band. It was the souls like anniversary of yeah. 93 till. And they, they had the live band. Um, and they were just uh, before souls came out to rock, they were just kind of doing the riff from uh, taxi for the cab yeah, yeah 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 they were just playing that real kind of and you know that 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 riff has yeah, just like yeah. this real kind of beautiful nostalgic quality to it yeah yeah the sun was going down and just in, in that moment of just appreciating the whole day that it happened it was and just about pure. to see them rock it was just this magical quality mm. to it you know what i mean timeless magical quality so yeah um and all of that stemming from hip-hop so that was definitely another favorite it's not it's not one particular show still but though like that's that off the chain that's a dope that, moment that, that counts moment. though that yeah, counts yeah. for sure for sure and then they, they definitely rocked it um although i think the best souls show i ever saw was actually just a little bit ago at uh new parish like two years Ooh. ago that was and i've seen them hella times but like right but that just, was their execution was like they they have continued to evolve and grow and not stagnate at i've all. never seen a bad hyro show no for the record no, those fools yeah are they're definitely yeah. huge shout yeah. out to hyro for sure yeah for sure and so i think then my other my third one and this is definitely not in in order uh, right right yeah yeah no i feel you I my feel third you. one was um and this was uh so i i grew up in in berkeley have moved up to eugene oregon basically okay. for high school yeah. and came back uh in 97 right after i got out of high school Okay. And this was, you know, uh, as I'm sure you know, that time, 90s in, in the Bay Area, amazing time for underground. Boy, stuff, you know, ridiculous. Telegraph, all that. And so we had caught wind of some of that. You know, I started to hear about who, Mystic Journeyman and all that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was like really getting into that, that underground hip hop and the creativity mm -hmm. that was there. And so coming back and being able to then like engage with it more directly and start to go to shows was like huge for me. Uh, so this was oh, a that's uh, beautiful stuff. Uh, the unsigned and hella broke summer jam at La Pena. <laughs> unsigned uh, and hella broke. Yeah, man. Um, and like the, the price of admission was literally like 
a pack of top ramen and five yeah it was like you can yeah, have the ramen like and like food and something or whatever was crazy. Yeah. yeah yeah so and and man so one i was just hella juiced to get to see these fools that you know i've really been digging them for for a couple of years now and then to actually get to see them them rock as well as i think they had you know other super undercutty under cytoplasms people like that yeah um and then they also had you know artists from all around the world because they've been doing that worldwide underground yeah. thing. So there was like a crew from australia uh meta bass and breath i think they were called there were some rappers from like korea it was like you know like 12 people on the bill for like six dollars and hip-hop from all over the world at this tiny little la pena tiny little venue so you know super intimate um yeah so that one definitely stands out to me as just one of the, the dopest you know experiences that hip-hop can provide um yeah for sure that's dope word word uh man you know what's funny is i was gonna use that souls that that high road day one for one of mine too <laughs> i think i was we were there i think we were there together for that shit i think so um, yeah. so uh but yeah i'll have to drop that one off the list man because i can't be i can't no nah, i can't not nah, dude if, if it was real nah, like but, that it was yeah, real like I that. Have, i have other ones you know all right all right so like word. um yeah so the first one and i i mean this one probably i would say for me, was probably the most impactful hip hop show of my life that I ever mm. went to, and this was in Santa Cruz uh, at a little little spot. So it's kind of one of the one of the more intimate spots. I think it was called Palookaville. Yes, Palookaville. You're I right. Yeah, so. yeah, I yeah. So either that or like it could have been the other one down the street. Was it that's the like Catalyst similar. Club? Was that what it's called? What? Was, what, was what? The there is a Catalyst Club in, in Catalyst Santa Club. Yeah, I think yeah. it was Palookaville though, but it was. It was right there on the main street. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. There's like, a, there's a couple different venues that used to be the main ones where like the Cuddy, like underground hip hop artists yeah, yeah, would come yeah. through. Um, and man, you know, it was like, it was dope. Cause like, you know, so it was a KRS one show. Right, and, right. And KRS, you know, this was when like at a, at a, you know, he, you know, at this point, he definitely had quite a name for himself and mm -hmm. he would be, you know, the tickets at a other, other types of venues were a lot more. But when he came to Santa Cruz in this little Cuddy venue, it was like $12 or something. Right. Right. So it was like already super cheap. And, um, right. and yeah, so anyway, so basically what I remember about that show was first of all, like, I, I think that was the first time I saw KRS ever, ever. And rocking. he crushes stages to good he, Lord. He, as far as like rocking a show, that fool is like top yeah. five. Easy. Amazing. Easy. Easy. Maybe top possibly three. top three. Maybe top yeah, three. I was, exactly. I was, I was right. Saying. Maybe top I mean, like he is on, man. He's unparalleled. Like he's really, really dope. When as far as like, you know, his stage presence and really rocking a show and really being an MC. So, you know, this was an amazing, amazing show. And, you know, the thing about KRS is like, you know, he says it in the lyrics. He doesn't need all the gimmicks and all the mm -hmm. other other shit. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, just ripping it. Like just the stage presence and the 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 ferocity of it. But what happened that really was profound about this show was in the middle of all of it, he cut off the music and he was like, all right, cut, cut all, cut all the music, cut all the music. And he just started talking to, to us. Yeah. I've seen him do that. And literally the shit he was saying that night, it was like, because of my own experiences that I was having in my life at that time, I was kind of like awakening on, a, on some higher levels. Yeah. And it was literally like, he was basically like, I felt like he was speaking directly to me yeah, in terms sure. of like, basically just kind of like everything that I'm awakening to is like just the truth in that. And mm -hmm. it was almost like hearing my own spirit being reflected back. Of like, yeah. you know, it was crazy, bro. I Yo, can't, it was one of those that happens at hip hop shows, man. For real. It was transcendental. Like it really was. Yeah. And he was saying shit like, 
He's like, all this shit, all this, all this stuff around, you know, like the, you know, society and the future and all this. He's like, he's like, all of, he's, all of that is bullshit. None of it is real. The only thing that's real is me and you right now in this moment and this mm-hmm. exchange. And like, it really like, you know, you can think about that thing and it, you might think that that's not that crazy. But in that moment for me, Dude. it was like, whoa, he's like speaking to my soul. I was like awakening. And it was like, that's what kind of confirmed that you know and i think at that point i was like yeah like i'm like i'm going to be an mc right like i realized that that you know in my in my view that being an mc is someone who basically um it teaches lessons right so it's like it's not, it's not just it's not just entertainment it's not just doing it for ego or validation and it's not just doing it to be dope it's like right. you know and KRS is the epitome of that you right. know, or what was back then for sure. Right. Of like Absolutely. A teacher, yeah. right? Like someone like you yeah. teach lessons, you're such right. And so that's what really like confirmed that on some level, which I still have, you know, de- that I needed to devote my life to hip hop. Right. Yeah. So, and it was that moment that was a defining moment. Yeah. Right? No, no, no. So that's why that show really, really it stands, stands out, out for sure. Um, and then, so another one would be like, I'm trying to remember how long ago this was, you know, probably a decade over a decade ago. Yeah. Um, there was a rock. The, there was a rock. The bells. Whew, um, those were many. Yeah, those were crazy. And I went to a few of them. I went to like. I think I know, went to two. Yeah. I think I went to at least three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think three. But, rock the but bells was out of control. It was crazy, man. And all of them were dope. But all this one, what was crazy about this one is Rage Against the Machine was headlining. Oh, you went so to like, that one, dog. It was that one. So like you know, Black Star, The Roots, like. I could oh, not go. Crazy. I don't even remember what happened. Why I couldn't go, but I was furious. I'll tell you yeah. that. Mm. Yeah, it was it was crazy, man. Yo, and like so already the rest of the performers were really really dope. It was yep. just an amazing day of dope hip hop. And then Rage took the stage, and bruh, their energy, and like I had never experienced anything. Was like that was that. the San Francisco show. Yes, bro. So after 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 the show, the energy was so crazy from what they kind of like. They, they triggered like, tr- yeah triggered and yeah. activated motherfuckers tore down the fence around the stadium <laughs> and then everyone and then everyone poured into the streets and like like just flooded Left. the streets and like like the traffic couldn't get through it was crazy that is crazy it was Bonkers. crazy i love stuff yeah. like that yo so that was so- another one that was you know definitely like crazy and then and then like i was i was gonna originally go with the that high road day yep yep but um i mean and there's so many there's so many but another one that made that i that i that i thought of which was really dope was uh a dead press show that i went to um in berkeley so there's this little uh you might know the venue uh joan i forgot the name i don't even know if they're around anymore it's this little tiny venue in berkeley um they also like sell like healthy cookies and shit like that and Ashkenaz. yes bro Ashkenaz, bro so <laughs> i was gonna say Ashkenaz. <laughs> yep so dead press sounded like it. Hip-hop. if you don't know Ashkenaz, but definitely you ain't been hip-hop to go right the hip-hop shows and, and again that was a super intimate environment yeah you know it's a small I mean? place so but it's dope dead press and you know they killed that shit and you know, I actually met Stick afterwards. Yeah. And like chopped it up with him a little bit. Stick's an amazing guy, right? He's amazing. He's absolutely yeah. amazing. He's amazing, bro. And I had already like way before that, I had um interviewed M1. Yeah. Uh, for like this whole other thing I was doing a long time ago. And he's dope too. Yeah. But, um, hella dope. But Stick's energy and that night and just like and the shit he was saying and he you could tell he was really in the moment of his life where he was really shifting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. 
Mm-hmm. So um, all that really came through. And that was a really, that was a really special show. Like I really saw like those dudes are like, they're really just how down to earth they they were. Yeah, they're great, man. On so yeah, many was, levels, their contributions mm-hmm. are just massive, you know. Yeah, sure. un- undeniable. Yeah, sure. And I was already huge fans, but I had never seen him actually, you know, live. So that was a special moment for sure. Yeah. And, you know, so that one also, that one also, especially because I got the chance to meet him and talk to him. Yeah. That was, man, that was, that was pretty I saw them uh, in London last year with, uh, with, with Havoc from Mob Deep. And like, mm-hmm. bro, that show was bonkers. Woo! They still got it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or it all the way down, bro. Wow. All the way down. You know what I'm saying? Well, yo, man, I want to thank you guys for sharing your journey in hip hop. I want to thank you for what you do for the young people who are largely forgotten. You know, when you're dealing with incarcerated kids, when you're dealing with at-risk kids in East Oakland, stuff like that, just in general, those are a lot of forgotten children. So I want to thank you, not just for what you do, but for the sacrifices known and unknown that we will never know that you've made, that you've undertaken to, to be, you know, the, the, the contributors that you are. So I want to thank you for that. And now please tell people where to contact you at. Most deaf. Uh, well, yeah, I would say the easiest way to contact us is through our email. So that would be info at rhythmic mind.net. So that's info at R H Y T H M I C. And then mind, M-I-N-D dot net. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, that goes to both me and Jonah. Yep. Um, and then also follow us on IG. Follow us on Instagram. We put out really dope content on there. We're really proud of it. We work really hard on it. Dope. Um, and it also really helps us and supports us to continue to, to expand the work. So uh, that would be uh, at Rhythmic Mind 1. And then that's also the same for Facebook. So you can follow us on Facebook at Rhythmic yeah. Mind 1 as well. But definitely follow us there. Um, you can also subscribe to our newsletter. Uh, on our website if you go scroll down on our homepage, super easy subscribe to that we put out really dope content in that newsletter as well uh kind of highlighting the intersections between you know hip-hop and and wellness and mental health and well-being in really cool interesting ways and then yeah the uh, the instagram is kind of a microcosm of the same thing with a different flavor that is fantastic well thank you guys for being on one love yo bishop chronicles family Follow my fam, and thank you for tuning in, and we'll check you out next week. Yeah, thank you, man. Peace. Thank you, bro. Yep, yep, absolutely. It was a pleasure. Appreciate you. Teacher, what star is that? You are now listening to the Bishop Chronicles.